Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me once again as we start a new show. Can you believe another, another Star Trek show? Here we go. My dear friends, Lieutenant Commander Eric and Lieutenant Commander David, what's happening, fellas? Hey, not too much. No, this is exciting, right? Yeah, new man. Star, new Star Trek. I know we've had... You know, an, another new show earlier this year, which was act, which was really good. We all liked the other brand new show, Prodigy. We gushed um, about it a lot. Yeah, yeah. We, we didn't so much gush over the returning shows, and uh, now here we are. I'm excited for a new new Star Trek show, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, same. I mean, I, we obviously got a little bit of a taste of some of the the actors in this series and, and discovery. So pr- pretty anticipated. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like it was, um, you know, season two when we were introduced at least to captain Pike and a little bit of, you know, um, number one and a little bit of, um, Ethan Peck's Spock for the most part. But I mean, really, really, and truly we, we, we had Pike that was front and centered and it was really like just his, you know, portrayal of Pike that really got the fan base going. Like, we need more Pike. Give us Pike. Give us an Enterprise series with this Pike guy, please, for the love yeah. of God. Yeah, it was three. It was April 2019 when Discovery season two ended. Since we've seen these characters, um, and yeah, I, I think Discovery season two is probably its best season, and I think that has a lot to do with the presence of Captain Pike, like a really strong presence in that captain's chair, which is something I feel like Discovery has been lacking in its other seasons. I'd agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that in character development. Oh, sorry. Oh, wait, there are bridge, there are bridge characters? Did <laughs> Roll we learn call. their names? Did we Roll call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> R- ranks yeah, don't I matter. When he showed up, yeah, like, sound off. I don't care what your rank is. Tell me who you are and what you do, please. <laughs> Thank you for speaking for us, Captain Pike. I really appreciate that, bud. <laughs> yeah, but oh. they we, I still don't know who some of those people are. I, I still get Bryce and Reese mixed up. Is that bad? And well, like one Bryce of them's gone. Is, Bryce is gone. See, okay, there we go. I still get mixed up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Pro tip. Don't have very similar names standing right next to each other. Pro hey, tip. one guy's on this side of the bridge. One guy's on that side of the bridge. They're, they're like, it's not like they're the, the the helmsman and the ops officer both up front. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's true. That's true. Oh, good grief. Good grief. But, well, before we, before we really get into, um, you know, into uh, talking about the season premiere, the series premiere, really, of uh, Strange New Worlds, um, how's how's your uh, weekend been going? No, pretty good. Friday saw a um, orchestral accompanied viewing of the Empire Strikes Back at the Ohio Theater in downtown Columbus. That was uh, actually a lot of fun. Uh, the orchestra was particularly good. I only heard two slight mistakes that most people didn't hear, but. Just one, one, one horn got a little too excited, and somebody in the violin section stroked a, an extra string. 
but it was uh it was that was that was a lot of fun actually so watch the entire movie they played all the music live it was, it was pretty good nice that's cool nice. i've heard i've heard of that like you know the music of john williams and they'll, they'll play like et or something is, a, is yeah. a big popular one they'll do that for indiana jones yeah that'd be cool yeah that's what um that's what i went to uh gosh what was that back in march i want to say uh, we went to uh, the Bass Performance Hall in Fort Worth, and they did like a, a music of John Williams, and it was like a bunch of stuff like Jaws, Close Encounters, Indiana Jones, uh, what was it, Minority Report, you know, random stuff like that. And you would think that they would have just like ended it with like the Star Wars main theme or something like that or something, but they ended up ending it with um, the E.T. thing, which in a way like don't get me wrong the ET theme is is really good but it just seemed really anticlimactic like with everyone giving it like a standing ovation um uh, like with like all the Star Wars music and then it's like ET it just seemed like very disjointed um but it, it was really good so that's that's cool that you got to go David that you really you know you got to check that out and enjoy that have some fun with that so yeah how about you Eric uh yeah we went uh to the opera last night or not last yeah yeah, on Saturday, uh, we saw Rigoletto, which is a really popular, famous opera. Um, it was really good. It was it was long. It was like almost three hours long with the intermission, so nice. it, it, it it took up some time. Um, but it was also the return of the San Antonio Symphony. Uh, they have been on strike for like six months or something like that. Oh wow! And so they've had several performances canceled. Um, and so this was like the return of them. And so like they got a big standing ovation at the end too. They brought the conductor on stage with the cast after the end to do their curtain calls. And they, nice. the whole, the whole cast gave like the conductor his own, his own step forward curtain call, right? Where they all stepped back and got a big standing ovation for the, for the orchestra. That's cool. That's really cool. Very cool. Very nice. We, uh, we didn't do too much this um, this weekend. I mean, of course, uh, this was Mother's Day weekend um, here in the United States, at least. It's, it's Mother's Day weekend, and uh, for that, um, uh, you know, got got flowers, you know, for for my wife, you know, on behalf of the kids and everything like that. And uh, we did everything that she wanted to do, ate the things that she wanted to do, you know, just did whatever mom wanted to do. It was. I mean, Mom's Day is not just once once a year, right? Mom's Day, let, let's get real. Mom's Day is like every day, at least it should be. Um, but um, I made, um, uh, grilled some salmon. Uh, it's her favorite meal and stuff. So I grilled some salmon and made some wild rice and some roasted potatoes for her. And we had a, a nice little dinner and um, had some fun. So uh, it was fun. Nice, relaxing um, weekend, at least on, on Sunday for us. Um, that we got to got to do it. So it wasn't cool. David's roasted potatoes, but it, it, was, it was pretty close. <laughs> well, thank you, Chase. I appreciate you still giving props to my food all these years, years later. I mean, it's not your mushrooms. Your mushrooms are the bomb.com. I'm just saying. I appreciate it. You're, you open and, up. And, and, and you know what? Your barbecue was really good, too. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. There. Yeah. <laughs> Props all around. 
And Eric, you know what? You wore the hell out of that cowboy hat. That's right, I man. Did, I did. You got like the bestest Backstreet Backstreet Boys moves out of any of us. I'm just saying. Yeah, man. We used to do that back in the day. That's right. <laughs> Good grief. Good grief. But apart from that, um, yeah. I'm just happy that the Dallas Stars are still, you know, in the lead for the playoff series at this point, that we actually stand a chance of of advancing. So I think we just need to win one more game and we advance if we can beat the Calgary Flames. So anyway, well, um, anything else that you want to chit chat about? We got plenty of time. We have like probably another 20 minutes to kill at least before we start talking track. I feel like we're like contractually obligated how many how, here's your next twi- twitter poll how long do you uh do you skip forward in the episode before you start listening <laughs> five minutes 10 minutes 20 minutes 30 minutes skip forward i don't listen at all <laughs> oh man well i'm all kidding aside y'all want to talk trek yeah yes let's do it let's talk trek All right, everyone, if this is your first time listening, welcome, welcome, welcome. We are going into spoilerific territory as we talk about the series premiere of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Season 1, Episode 1, Strange New Worlds. Guys, it is here, like we were talking about, uh, we were kind of teasing it just a little bit, but this has been um, a long time coming for the Star Trek fan base. Uh, Like we were saying, we have been wanting more Captain Pike forever. Captain Pike's been around since the first pilot of Star Trek back in the 60s. And um, Anson Mount came around and he did one heck of a job. And he made every single Trekkie fall in love with him. And now, because we have, you know, poked the bear, we've bugged the producers, we've done, you know, um, change.org campaigns and other nonsense like that, we have a Pike led show and not only that gang we're back to episodic storytelling like we have been wanting also for quite some time so tell me a little bit about like before we even talk content like talk about this you know one isolated episode like how are you feeling going into the show like going back to kind of like the roots of star trek in terms of how it's story like the stories are told i I mean i i've probably i don't know if i've complain the most but I know that I've complained about these uh, long somewhat long drawn out overarching multiple you know full, full series wide stories with a not so amazing payoff at the end but like look I, I, I know things change I, I know that not everybody I don't know wants to be stuck in 90s world where everyone thing was told a certain way stories were told a certain way you know some people like the stranger things effect where you just you know binge however many episodes that is you know and just go through the story but man i do love what i call the monster of the week i just i i kind of want to like have this self-contained story it has a beginning middle end and then we go to another story beginning middle end and if that's what we get i mean at least out of one series i would be over the moon happy over the moon happy but then just for pike like i don't really remember what your guys's opinions overall overarching opinions were of season two of discovery but season two was my favorite of discovery 
I you know I mean the the story got a little convoluted, but you know kind of having Pike and and even even Spock, you know I I, I like um, I like this portrayal of Spock myself, so I was kind of you know encouraged it to get more of this. Okay. No, what I'll say is that um, you know Gene Roddenberry when when he created Star Trek it went into first run syndication, and his his stated goal was to say. You can watch any episode in any order, and you'll be able to understand what's happening. Like, that was the, his sure. goal, right? And that is the episodic nature. And I know television has changed over 50 years, right? The rise of serialized storytelling. And Star Trek had to change with television, right? It, could, it had to become part of this change in this gear towards serialization because that's just what television is and star trek has done that before it did that quite well in um space nine i think um you know say what you will about season three of enterprise i kind of i enjoyed it i know some people don't and i know you run the risk of a 24 episode season and if you don't like the story then people will tune out right and I think For sure. maybe maybe you've run into some of that problem in Discovery, right? Where if you don't like the story, then people lose interest. Um, but yeah, it's it's refreshing to get back to this this uh, you know planet of the week, problem of the week, where you have and also where you have this messaging, right? Mm-hmm. This this episode definitely has a message, and it's not subtle about it, right? But so what? Like, the original series wasn't subtle either. Like, I think sometimes people need to go back and realize that the original series was not subtle. Neither was The Next Generation in, in, its, in some of its messaging. So I, I'm excited for this to see this. And, yeah, like I said before, I did enjoy Season 2 the most of Discovery. I'm not going to say I'm over the moon about it. But I also think in Season 2, you've got... It's. It has this. Yes, the story did get convoluted, sure. didn't it? Right. Sure. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> but I feel like it did have individual stories. Like, okay, now episode one, we've got the asteroid, right? Episode two, we're going to New Eden. Uh, we've got the Stranger Things episode in there, right? Where we have to go to the Upside Down to save Will. By I mean Tilly, right? We've got the Saru home planet, right? We've got. Mm-hmm. You know, it had more, you know, here's the story this week, and yeah, it has a little bit, and that those were all in, like, the first half of the season. It was, like, really the back half of the season where it got to be a bigger story. But, yeah, I thought I thought Anson Mount did fantastic as Captain Pike, and I thought he did fantastic here, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it bad that I can barely remember season two of Discovery? <laughs> Well, it was three years ago. I mean, yeah. Um, I think it was just like the Red Angel suit that just kind of had me like all over the place, like was just being kind of distracted. But the thing about like the the storytelling, I think like even going back to um, certainly Deep Space Nine, but I mean, even, you know, earlier than that, like even going into like, you know, parts of um, next gen and even at times parts of of um, original uh, Star Trek 
like you you would have like those isolated stories right red alarm but there would still be times where it would like connect to like future stories like there would still there would be like a a loose serialization there'd be this like um like just this arc at times that would be like connected for the most part and and I'm not mad at that kind of stuff like I think like you need to have some semblance of structure with a story where like you have a you have a you definitely have a beginning of something whether it's the the actual premiere of something or it's the beginning of an idea in a particular story and it connects later on and the I think we've talked about this number of times guys that um when you have 24 you know single story whatchamacallits like if you have a dud you have a dud you just move on like the next week and like great like that I mean that was not that great but some people are gonna like it but hey it was just a dud like it didn't like sour the whole experience of the entire season compared to when we have one long running single story spread out over 10 to 15 ish episodes then you run into that risk of like dang that really sucked type of thing so I'm really excited with this um, with this episode, or not this, this, well, yeah, with this episode, but also this series. Um, I mean, it's still 10 episodes that I'm aware of um, that we're, we're getting this season, but still, we're going back to just self contained stories. And is it going to still connect to Discovery? Yeah, probably because it did in this first episode. Um, at least some concepts of it, and also some concepts from the original pilot for Pete's sake and the menagerie. So, uh, I, I think I think we're we're in for for some good stuff. Um, Trekkies, new and old. I think I personally, maybe I'm being too optimistic, but I see this this series as being a unifying series in the fandom personally, because I think there's it's it stands a chance of bringing in like some of the the um, OG folks, right? The people that have been complaining the loudest, I suppose, but also. Like the new folks that saw Pike in season two of Discovery for crying out loud. So I, I really do see this as a unifying show. Like maybe even perhaps, strong perhaps, maybe more so than even Prodigy. So. Well, it certainly has a better shot over Prodigy because Prodigy's animated. And yeah. that's automatically going to turn off some people. For sure. Yeah. So, well... I think we've we've probably pontificated enough about like what this you know you know this return to form so to speak means and and whatnot um but like let's let's actually get into the content of the show um so of course you know we are we're dealing with with captain pike right from from discovery and um discovery season two like we've been talking about and um with that we are um essentially we are he's dealing with like the the knowledge that of what's going to be happening to him um in the not too distant future uh which we later find out is going to be about a decade like just a little less than a decade from now and uh we'll talk about star dates and all that a little bit later on because i know that eric wants to talk about that a little bit um but we we're, we're trying to essentially you know get everyone back together before we even do that like Pike is not in a good place mentally. He's he's just not. He's isolating himself in his at his cabin in Montana. Um, kind of. He's got a little lady friend, 
that he's hanging out with. No big deal. Another captain of some sort. Which I didn't recognize the captain in particular from anything. And the, the guys didn't either. But, you know, he's like totally like in the same like Nexus cabin as Captain Kirk. I was about to say that we can no longer call it the Kirk because Pike came first. So this is just doing the Pike. <laughs> Kirk was just doing the Pike. There we go. I mean, the other, there we go. I mean, he's even like scrambling some eggs for crying out loud in the kitchen. I mean, making pancakes. Yeah. And, and, and I got to tell you, he's watching The Day the Earth Stood Still, the movie, mm-hmm. the original one, not the Keanu Reeves remake. Right. Um, well, and and cool connection here. The Day the Earth Stood Still was directed by Robert Wise, who directed Star Trek The Motion Picture. That's pretty cool. Uh, but, That's like, cool. I mean, have have any of you gents seen The Day the Earth Stood Still? I have seen clips, and that's okay, about it. Okay, well, the clip they're showing at the end is basically right. this alien says, there's a f- collection of planets out there that that are united in for mutual peace, and we don't let planets who are have, don't have peace in mind venture out into the galaxy. So if you want to come out there, you better, you better get your crap together, because this is like in 1951, you know, right after World War II and, you know, the Cold War is just starting. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like some foreshadowing to the end of this episode. Is it? I just thought that was just a neat yeah. little thing if you're familiar with The Day That You Stood Still. Yeah. That was, so, fun, I guess kind of a fun story. Um, at the university that um, Eric and I went to, um, Eric wasn't the same major I was, but um, one of the electives I took was actually um, called Politics and Film. And this was one of the options um, that you got to watch for um, for that class. So we watched some movies in class. There were others that we were assigned to go watch or, you know, we had to choose to watch. And I didn't choose that one, but um, it was one of quite a few. So there you go. A little side story for you. But uh, but yeah, Pike's not Pike's not in a good, good spot. And uh, he's... I mean, just kind of reading between the lines, like he's thinking about just kind of staying far away from from Starfleet, like returning to Starfleet while, you know, the Enterprise is getting uh, worked over, basically. And um, he's ignoring his communicator, which I really like. I know it's kind of subtle, but I really like the updated sound of the communicator in this for some reason. Like instead of just like that really hard kind of it's not like just kind of like that hard, like sharp sound that we had like from the 60s like I, I like the updated look or, or, or the, sorry the updated sound of it um, I don't know if anyone paid that close attention to it or not my, my only question for that was like does this thing not have like a like a silent mode or like a vibrate or something <laughs> I mean like we have that like they can't build that into this communicator like just flip a button it's on vibrate or you can't block a certain certain number from calling you. <laughs> Put it under a pillow, for God's sake. Come on. <laughs> That'd be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, like, he decides to just, you know, like, after his lady friend, his, his um, fellow captain that he's in a relationship with leaves and goes and does whatever she's doing with her ship, uh, he takes his horse out for a little ride in the tundra that is Montana and Bear Creek. And, um, 
you know, just again, trying to, you know, isolate, trying to stay away from people because again, he is just being haunted by his future demise, like the death of who he currently is uh, right now. And uh, of course, like he, like in terms of, you know, him constantly ignoring these hails, these, you know, communication attempts, they're like, well, screw it. Let's just go find the dude. And um, Admiral comes down, drops down, and it is none other than Admiral Robert April, the original captain of the Enterprise, um, yeah. here to give him orders to return, basically. Got name dropped from the one episode of the animated series he was in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what episode that was, but yeah, live action debut, the canonical, I guess, appearance of Robert April. Yeah. And there it was the guess. I guess Pike was his first officer too. It's kind of hinted at. Yeah, and let's just address the elephant in the room. Like there are people that are just going bananas over you know the casting of Robert April, and like I really don't think it's that big of a deal, folks. I mean, I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, he was an old white guy in the animated series, and he's just a middle-aged black guy in this one. I really don't see it, see it being that big of a deal. I mean, I like the dude for, like, you know, the two scenes he was in. Three scenes, maybe? Two? Two, three scenes that he was in? I mean, seems like a good portrayal, I guess. Yeah. And yeah, I love the line. Considered. Love the line. He's like, he's like, listen, Pike. We have first contact situation go bad, and uh, it's it's your your number one, your first officer. She needs your help. And then Pike's like, "You don't want me in command of that ship." And he's like, "You've got us mixed up. It's you who don't want you in command of that ship." I thought it was a great line. Indeed, yeah. agreed. Yeah. And he's like, "I'm ordering you to get back up there and go save your first officer and the two other people." Mm-hmm. So of course it's a it's a matter of like I said just getting the band back together or getting everyone back together. So like of course number one is elsewhere. Um, she's stuck on on this planet. We later find out, which I kind of glossed right over that. But like the intro of this was, um, like an old like uh, I don't know like fifties sixty forties fifties something looking like bunker basically is really what it looked like to me. Of of like I don't know like just a command center like observing like this random UFO which turns out to be later identified as the USS Archer by this alien species which kind of kickstarts this need to basically go get um, Una go, to go get you know number one uh, by yep. Pike and company and now we're roll credits yeah I didn't even keep time was that like it was like five minutes wasn't it six minutes uh, it was I think it was like eight minutes Okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's it's a series premiere. Yeah. We'll, we'll give it we'll give it to you guys. We'll give it to you. It's fine. It's fine. Um and through all this stuff, like as we start getting people together, of course we we you know, we see Spock on Vulcan um hanging out with um you know, this other female Vulcan, you might have heard of her, you know. To Pring. It's no yeah, big but deal. Here's the thing. Supreme is into Spock here. She's like into him, yeah. like more so than he might be into her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like in a mock time, Supreme rejects Spock. That's the whole like 
premise of that, like, she rejects Spock, and then he has to duel Kirk to the death, right? Like, is this the reason why she rejects Spock? Because he, like, leaves her here and goes gallivanting across the galaxy? Well, if I remember correctly... Are they correctly, trying to she, set that up? Uh, if I remember correctly, I mean, I'm just... you. Yeah, that could certainly be something in there, but... Wasn't it said in that episode, though, that she didn't effectively want to be the, uh, I think she used the word, like, consort of, like, basically a legend or something like that? If I remember remember the... I don't remember that. I I thought that was something within the episode where it was was more about his his stature. At least, again, we're we're talking about, (laughs) you know, yesteryear's track, but I think think there was something kind of to do with that. But I think you're right, though. Sort of the seeds planted where he's obviously very duty-bound to Starfleet. There was even kind of a little bit of a jab here even. Well, like you said, gallivanting around mm-hmm. effectively with Starfleet. That's always kind of been one of those one of those sort of issues, Starfleet over, like, you know, Vulcan and stuff like that. Okay, so. okay David, you're right. I'm just, I'm just looking up that here. T'Pring reveals that she did not want to be the consort of a legend. Yeah. Okay, cool. I forgot about that. Sometimes I remember things. <laughs> well done, David. All right. Yeah, I, I was wondering that too, you know, with them being like these lovebirds, you know, here at the beginning of Strange New Worlds, like knowing that we're, you know, about a decade from like the Kirk years, right? And he's still a lieutenant. At least I'm pretty sure he's still a lieutenant. Um, I mean, he's not a not a commander or commander you know he's nowhere near where he's going to be in the original series so like we got we got a good amount of years for him to kind of I mean forgive me for putting it this way but like just chipping away her heart like chipping away her love for him you know uh, her affections for him and it might be like oh yeah I could I could forgive you know you going on like you know, a few missions here and there, but to like constantly be like close to me and then like kind of ducking away like that, get that can get old after a while, especially if you're not as understanding about like Starfleet service versus being, you know, part of the Vulcan sciences Institute, like right there on planet, you know what I'm saying? Well, that was also kind of the thing with the Paul though, when they talked about her, her marriage, mm-hmm. you know, bringing her back and it, yeah, kind of seems like there's a little bit of a closeness thing that they, that they kind of want Vulcan society in their marriages. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And coincidentally, yeah. because you, you, you completely glossed over that uh, over the, the opening. I love the fact that we have this whole, whole like, you know, dialogue during the opening. Like I love, I love that opening by the way. Just saying. Oh, the you, you real credits. About? Yeah. yeah like yeah we got the narration back you know you, you want to talk cool. about it, david get after it man no, nope nope it's fine i'm done done talking look <laughs> they were I, pretty I, cool opening credits <laughs> i got like they were pretty cool they're cool they're so cool all right um yeah to, yeah to pring will understand <laughs> perhaps that should have been an inquiry <laughs> 
<laughs> I like their back and forth. It's, yeah. it's good. Yeah. It's good dialogue. Responds. And they start and they start to have like a little PDA there, the uh, the cafe or the restaurant, whatever they're at. You can't do like, this here. You can't do yeah. that here. <laughs> Vulcans are hilarious. I know we talked about that tail end of um, what was that? Lower decks. Yeah, <laughs> they really are. <laughs> Live long and prosper. Don't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um so we're all we're all like meeting at the Enterprise, you know, um Pike's being shuttled over and I think Spock had already uh beamed aboard or gotten there or whatever uh by the time Pike did. And Pike is still kind of like Okay, hold on, uh, hold on, hold on. Let's talk about let's talk about Pike's journey to get to the Enterprise. I knew you were going to... I knew... So I'm going to take a shuttlecraft all the way up to the ship, and then I'm just going to beam the last, like, 10 feet there. (laughs) 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 Like, why would you not just beam the whole way there? Like, clearly we have the ability to transport from a planet to the ship. And if you're going to take the shuttle all that way, why not just get in the shuttle bay? Take it all the way. That was weird. (laughs) I'm sorry. That was just weird. It's it's a small dumb thing, but I noticed it and I was like, "That's strange." I would just, I mean, like, I'm about to sound like an idiot, but I was trying to remember, like, were there onboard transporters in those shuttles at that time, or was it just the shuttlecraft Stamets that had it? Uh, also, the shuttlecraft Stamets really like, like, mm-hmm. the spore drive does not exist. Remember, it was stricken from the record. So who is this guy Stamets? What did he do? Like, why is he worthy of three months after his death? Death, right? In air quotes, right? Because mm-hmm. the discovery was lost, right? Three months later, why is he worthy of a shuttlecraft being named after him? It's not, though. It's not named after wow. him. It's named after the, uh, the, the spore dude from, like, the 21st century. Who? The guy that Paul Stamets is actually named after. So anyway, just just to nettle Eric a little bit more, no, the the as far as like you know the shuttle ride to the jump, I mean think about how many times we took a shuttle just to view the ship. So I think it was just more of an idea of view the ship, view space dock, and then oh yeah, let's go in. Okay, but, but you're right. Why couldn't the they just land in there? Yeah. <laughs> maybe there there wasn't maybe there wasn't a space like. Uh, sorry, Captain. We're full. We're all full, man. You got to beam over, dude. <laughs> Why couldn't you have told me that before I boarded this dang thing? <laughs> that's that's the in-universe answer, Eric. It's on Memory Alpha somewhere, man. It's on Reddit. Check out, like, the Strange New World's Reddit. Actually, don't do that. <laughs> but, yeah, like, I was getting, like, some major, like, motion picture vibes. Like, I'm like, please don't let this be a 15-minute tour of... Of Pike's Enterprise, please, please don't, please well, don't. Well, you don't want to see where the little bit of paint was bumped, you know? You Got to fix that later, right? Got to make a joke about it later. That's an <laughs> Enterprise reference. Yes, it is. Very good, <laughs> very good, David. <laughs> I feel like we're annoying Eric right now, and I'm kind of enjoying it. Nope, nope, not annoyed. <laughs> I'm not annoyed. Don't be annoyed. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, I gotta say, man, like 
when he beams aboard, I just love this swagger that he's got. Like he just like is like just bebopping down there, and he's just like, "What's up?" Like, let's go type of thing. Like, he's just so chill. And he's got just so much confidence about him. And it, and it's just so refreshing to see a captain again that just kind of has that swagger about him. Like, I, I don't know. Definitely. So, yeah. Yeah, just the, the, the wandering around, like, just seeing, like, the hallways and everything. Now, they... I watched this... So, I watched this twice... Uh, once the day that it came out, and then, um, you know, the day that you know we're we're put, we're talking about this right now, um, with my wife, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in the original like turbo lifts, um, didn't you have to actually hold the handle the entire time that yes, you were you that that you yeah. were traveling from one place to the next, like you would like turn it say the thing and you just kept on holding it till you got to like the bridge or engineering or whatever right yep they made a joke of that in deep space nine yeah in trials and tribulations yeah yeah yep. should i thought it's updated I, and then I it guess. got downgraded but it's it's before captain kirk how can it be updated my brain hurts Anyway, we get to the we're, we're talking about personnel, right? Oh, we got new medical staff. We need that. Uh, oh, we need a new chief of security. And we get up to the bridge and we meet Kamina Drummer. I'm sorry, not Kamina Drummer. No, nobody, nobody gets that joke. I'm sorry, we meet somebody La'an, out there did. Yes, we meet Laan Nunian Singh. Right. That's right. Obviously, there's the name, right? And that'll have to be explored and explained. At some point, mm-hmm. ideally. Or not. I'm okay if it doesn't. <sighs> you don't name a character that and not, like, do some storyline re- around that. Okay, can I, can I, okay, I'm just going to say... I think the fandom the fandom would literally riot if you, like, never gave any explanation. But here's the thing. That. Here's the thing. We need to do, like, a full stop on this one. Okay, full stop. You know, bring us out of, bring us out of warp. No, not even impulse. Like, we, we're just stopping right here. Do not pass go. I do not want to see Khan at all in this show. No, no. it wouldn't make sense. Well, Eric, where where have you been the last few years, my man? <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense that's been happening uh, for about five years now with Star Trek. Um, but yeah, like just because we got like a relative on board is not an invite, in my opinion, to bring Khan in. Like, leave the space seed out there. With look, the at, look at how, look at how naive this guy is. He's so, <sighs> so naive. No, but anyway, I, I say this. This character, who may be interesting in her own right, we may find that she's interesting. I mean, they're setting up a story. They gave us some background into her that I think also violates established canon already um, with the Gorn. Um well, we can talk about that later. But, like, literally this character looks exactly like Kamina Drummer, who's a character from The Expanse. An amazing, probably one of the best characters on The Expanse. But just from the way she looks, the way they did her hair, 
the eyeliner they've got on her, the way she stands. She's always got her hands behind her back. Even, like, the voice that she's doing is, like, almost exactly the same as Kamina Drummer. And and it's definitely on purpose. Okay. I'm going to show you a side-by-side of this. Right now? Not right now. Okay, I was like, what? Hold on, what? <laughs> this is what? Okay. So yeah, uh, we're we're she's there. It's like, oh, you're like, there's like a little bit of like tension kind of going on because of the the name thing. That's fine. We'll we'll get to that eventually. But um, as we're like kind of bebopping around, like we have to figure out like what do we do next? Because we're we go out to Kylie two seven nine, which is where all the stuff has gone down, and. Um, we get out there and we're realizing wait wait, wait, wait before we get there yeah i think i think we have to talk about um uh the pike and spot conversation in his quarters okay i guess we can talk about that right yeah. i mean i mean well yeah because like pike is seeing like a reflection of his future self like pretty much everywhere he looks in those moments of pause whenever he's supposed to be making a command decision and um yeah. his bridge crew's noticing it yeah, so yeah. I think I think you know this shows obviously, you know Captain Pike is not a brand new character. He's been a character since the very beginning of Star Trek, and mm-hmm. we know we know we don't know a lot about this character, but we do. If that's like a strange thing to say, um, but like he's an enigma in a way. If you're not. If you are a fan, clearly you know the story of Captain Pike. You know what happens to him. If you've watched Discovery, you know you know what happens to him. But I feel like this episode does a great job of explaining everything, even if you don't have that knowledge. Like if you're coming in fresh, right? Never watched start. Never watched anything involving Captain Pike. Maybe you've just watched, you know, '90s Trek, right? Where Pike is not mentioned at all, right? I feel like you have a pretty good idea of what's happening here. They explain everything very well. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Hey, real quick question, I guess more for my memory's sake. Now, obviously Pike saw what he will become, but he didn't see then the continuance of that, correct? What happens to him truly at the end of his story. Established no. story. Where Not he gets taken of. back to the yeah. Talos, right? So he he's just assuming that this is basically because he keep he talks about it as his death, not necessarily the continuance or the the end of the life as he knows it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah like I, I was just I would just wanted to make sure there that would that because that was my my remembrance of it. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, like he's really referring to an ambiguous death, right? Like where yeah. the death of he himself and his personality and blah 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 is no longer whom he, what he is now. So, yeah. Yeah. But, like, Spock correctly figures it out. It's like, you know, you had some kind of experience there, and, you know, I saw my death. I know I didn't just see it. I felt it. And, you know, like, for us, for us humans, like, we always think that, you know, up until the very end we can somehow get away from it. But I like knowing like the time and place of my death. Is that going to make me cautious? Too cautious? Isn't going to make me not cautious enough? Like, am I going to put people at risk? Like, I've got doubt in my mind right now, which is mm-hmm. something that a, a captain can't have. Mm-hmm. 
And Spock is like, well, knowledge of death is going to help you. Like, you know, that's part of what, like, the, the Kobayashi Maru is for, is, like, so you can experience death, in a sense. I think Spock even says that line in Star Trek 2009, if, I, if I'm correct. In, in some of these flashbacks, by the way, or these flash-forwards, whatever, that he's having of, like, this death, um, did his fleet captain uniform look a lot like the uniforms in um, Into Darkness to other people? Cause like the, what he's wearing, in like the explosions and and stuff like that, it looks like a gray suit, like they were wearing in um I think it was Into Darkness, pretty sure it was, like with like some like silver like kind of um like metal crescent doohickeys on the the epaulets. Um, anyway, I'm assuming he's a fleet captain by that, cause like we know he becomes fleet captain at some point. Like as a official rank or title designation, something or another, um, but he's like the senior most captain, um, or whatever. So anyway, so yeah, Spot gives him a pep talk, and we have to, you know, get to Kylie two seven nine, which is where the uh, USS Archer uh, was doing its little probe, so to speak, of a first contact. By the way, heck of a captain's cabin. By the way. Oh my gosh! Can I have that? Is that his? Is that his quarters? Yes, because, he like, said I was going to quarters. Because like, in the original series, Kirk didn't have a ready room. He just had his quarters and had this little office in it. But pretty, I'm assuming nice. that those would be the same thing for the two captains. This thing is gigantic. Yeah, oh my god! Pike's got a bar and a <laughs> fireplace, and probably has some mood music he can. Flick Are you allowed off to have a fireplace on a starship? Captain's prerogative, baby. <laughs> vigilant here on the vigilant. We, I mean, I got a fireplace. Special air fryer too. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> no, okay, but listen, we get to Kylie two seven nine, right? Yep. And. Uh, that we find the archer, uh, no life signs, no bodies, nobody, nobody's on the ship, but there's no, no, um, no sign of warp drive, right? There's no sign of like lunar bases or s- satellites or or anything. It's like, how does a society like this have warp? And and this, I like this scene right here where like we got Spock over here being the scientist and Vulcan's invented first contact and he knows what to do. And we've got the security officer over here who's being super cautious. And it's like, we got a captain on the bridge listening to his bridge officers, like give him advice, give him suggestions on things to do. And then he has to weigh the options and make a choice. That's pretty refreshing. Like, instead of just the captain coming yeah. up with, yep. like, Michael Burham, oh, here's what we should do. <laughs> Other people be damned, right? Oh, I'm going to definitely come back to that in the very end. That's for dang sure. Did you did you enjoy the briefing, Eric? You, you oh, got oh we'll, get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to that. <laughs> but no. And then he's like, and then he goes against Spock, and he's like, shields up. Shields yeah. up, yeah. Yeah. And then they shoot at the, the the planet shoots at us. How are we? Minimal <laughs> damage. But if we didn't, ooh. Yep. Take that, Spock. <laughs> Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Oh man. 
that yeah, that, that, that was that was pretty cool. But then he's like, uh, I don't think they've developed a warp drive here. I think they've developed a warp bomb. Yeah. And like we all know the destructive power of a warp core. Yes, we do. Like it's a disaster waiting to happen, as Scotty from Star Trek Into Darkness would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like, what was it? Um, what was that? Um, was that Star Trek? Yeah, Star Trek 2009, where we we detonated our warp cores just to be able to get out of um, of, uh, of the red matter stuff that was being used, right? Like we use that like as like some kind of momentum, like in just how destructive that explosion was, even in a controlled way. Oh yeah, my in gosh. Star Trek Insurrection, they had to eject and detonate the warp core to stop yep. one of the Sona's subspace weapons that, you know, it seal the rift in subspace. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, not good. So we have to figure out, like, are we just going to, like, let things go? We just going to, you know, say we can't interfere type of thing because of General Order 1? Um, no, are we going to no. do something about it? But this is not here. Now we've left the bridge, and now we're in, we're in the observation. We're in the conference room. Right, and Spock is giving his presentation. Like, I love this. This is this is great. Can we get this all the time? But like, there aren't enough people in here, right? It's like Spock. He's giving his presentation, and then you've got Captain and the number one and the security chief. Like, where's all the rest of the senior staff? There. Give me some more people. I mean, Mbenga, I mean, he's still doing his thing, but that's... that's yeah, but, but yeah, like, they're talking, like, uh, we, ha- like, all of these, all of these planets in here have warp drive. We can visit any of them. This planet doesn't, right? And, uh, you know, never in the history of, of warp, warp at all has, like, it been developed as anything other than a drive, a propulsion system. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's nothing to prevent somebody from using it to build a weapon, but it's just it's never happened before and this is very strange and then they, the, this is like a teaser I think for later and says well, well we have to, what if it wasn't native, what if they found it somewhere I think Captain Pike says that Yeah. it's like then General Order 1 still applies because you know they found it, it wasn't like given to them in that sense and then like the sing she's like so what are we gonna do just leave our people down there no come with me let's do something yeah I gotta say I told my wife this like I just love how he enters sick bay and just greets Mbenga like I just I love the heck out of this so much hey what's up doc and like just like how friendly and like just cordial and just warm it's I mean I don't know. It's just so refreshing to like just see it again, like people actually liking each other on like the ship that they serve with and like respecting each other. But it's the discovery crazy. is a family. Stop it! Stop it's a it! Family. It's a family affair. <laughs> Stop. Hey, but just just a just a very quick break tap, just because like Eric, you you had mentioned senior staff, and my my only question here is: so we've got Lieutenant Jana Mitchell. Lieutenant Erica Ortegas, we have 
Are you reading those names right now? I have to, yeah, because I no, 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 I couldn't remember those. No, don't give me that much credit, Eric. I could, I could never remember. I, I had them pulled up specifically because I wanted to, I wanted to address. Do you think that these folks are going? Because this was a thing that we joked about a lot in Discovery, like this rotating cast. Like we don't always see people from time to time. Do you think that these are going to be like the permanent bridge crew that we see? Because, as you said, the lack of, like, senior staff. Heck, the senior staff, it, depending on the show, could include an ensign. So is this is this going to be, like, our go-forward, or, or do we have other characters? So so um, Eric Ortegas is is the main is part of the main cast. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the she's one, in the opening, she's in the opening yeah. credits. Uh, but, like, the other one that you said, um, no. Jenna Mitchell? Yeah, no. They're yeah, they're not part of um of the main cast. Okay, let's also talk about those two up front, right? Let I I just I this is since David mentioned them. Uh, up front, it's established in the original series. Up front, you've got the helmsman on the left if and this is if the captain is looking straight at them, right? Helmsman on the left and the navigator on the right. Now we sure. know in like the next generation it was the helm and or it was ops on the left and helm on the right. Um, but this is here in this it's helm on the left and operations on the right. The same thing that Discovery has, I guess. So it's possible that it changes between now since it's mm-hmm. the same Discovery happens. But it's possible that it changes. But it's just different from from what we see in the original series, and they're both wearing red. Mm-hmm. They should both be wearing gold. They should. Like like they should both be wearing gold. Command command colors because that's mm-hmm. what Sulu wore. That's what Chekhov wore. That's what everyone who sat up front always wore was command gold. Well, that and that's why I kind of asked like maybe we have like somebody else who come through, but yeah. And we had that same problem in um, even in Discovery when we have um, Detmer and Wusakun. Like, they're both wearing operations when they, they should be wearing freaking well, command. Well, Wusakun should be wearing operations because she's the ops officer. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry. But, yeah, Detmer, but I'm sorry, Detmer, Detmer should yeah. be wearing command red at that point. She should. You're right. I misspoke. I apologize. But, um, so yeah, we're, we're in sickbay. Um meeting um, Mbenga and we're um, later introduced um, in a few moments to um, Nurse Chapel so one of our legacy characters uh, played by Jess Bush uh, shows up and apparently Nurse Chapel is um, one heck of a, a geneticist doing um, stuff on like the, the cutting edge so to speak apologies just real quick because yeah. I, I do not remember did we actually refer to her as Nurse Chapel in this episode I'm pretty yeah. sure Okay. Well, because, I mean, like, j- they have her listed just as Christine Chapel, which probably doesn't mean much, but I-, I couldn't remember if we actually referred to as Nurse Chapel. Because it-, it just seemed like we were setting her up to be a bigger character. Like than, a, a doctor, research, scientist, yeah. somebody. Sure. Well, I mean, by the time motion picture rolls around, she's got her MD, so it's fine. Yeah, but she's clearly <laughs> a nurse in the original series. Like, her job yes. is to assist the doctor with what he needs. That's right. That's right. 
but yeah, like she's she's being part of like this this task force, this initiative, this whatever, to really be working like with genomes and like genetics and stuff like that, which is apparently how we're going to be doing like more anthropological type of studies, which I think is kind of cool. I I, I kind of like it. I think. Um, but instead of us do you know like replicating like prosthetics or whatever we're you know we're we're trying to identify genomes to inject and take on the appearance of folks which on one hand I like it on the other hand I don't and here's why I'm going to say this right now the reason I like it is one we're these these Planets, these societies that were were really taking a taking a hard look at, like, do we want to offer the membership? Do we want to like continue the first contact, you know, welcome speech type of thing? We we have like some some information on them in which we can help them, right? Like we have like some some genetic information in terms of like a, from a healthcare standpoint, can we help them if we if they need help in the future to where we can understand like their genetics and stuff like that other hand the reason i don't like it is like why are we why are we messing with our dna strands man like just like replicate like some really high grade looking stuff you know like what we've always done like with in star trek enterprise what we've always done like in next gen and all that yeah, right voyager right like why are we why do we have to like you know shoot goop into us to look like an alien. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, it's it's nothing in the grand scheme of things, but that's just where I'm at with that. Well, they, they made it a little bit more of a story point, though. They did. That this, that this civilization had a little bit more advanced means of, I don't know, detecting their specific genome, I guess. It just sort of seemed like their scanny things were a little bit more specific than that, which is interesting, but plot point. Yeah. Okay. You just want Mission Impossible masks. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, we we got to so so Chapel has like these things of like let's like, you know, shoot up with, you know, this DNA stuff to kind of change your appearance and like to kind of take the edge off and oh Spock by the way, since you're kind of a wild card, yours may or may not wear off faster than the others, so without like some actual DNA from these folks, you're gonna look like a Vulcan. So I think we can kind of like speed up on this next part. Yeah, yeah, we've been going pretty slow. Yeah, here. we've been going very slow, by the way. We beam down, and we do like some sneaky, stealthy stuff. We try and get through a scanner. Of course, Spock being the one, like he's kind of getting hung up. And oh, by the way, we kind of knock some folks out. They are on Although the Although I do have a problem with that. Like, okay, so they beam up the two, get the two guys from this planet up to the ship. And the doctor's like, well, I'm going to keep them under low sedation. No, you keep them under high sedation. Like, you keep them sedated. And they both wake up, and one of them manages to storm out, run away. Mm-hmm. Why are there no security personnel posted inside sickbay or right outside sick bay why does nurse chapel not call for security and say hey we've got some foreigner from the planet on the loose security let's go find him why like come on yeah, yeah that, that would have made more sense <laughs> yeah so we beam some goop into spock's eye 
and we get through and we're, we're following a signal we find um, number one the the original number one by the way um, <clears throat> and uh, we're getting out and oh by the way she's got a broken leg and while we're trying to get away um, and getting back to the Enterprise like being able to beam back um, there may or may not be a giant gaggle of of scientists just showing up after Spock jinxed everyone by the way which I thought was kind of funny <laughs> um, and then don't, jinx, don't like, jinx it stop it <laughs> there's no logical reason to believe oh <laughs> oh shoot <laughs> well, well, well guys he's in excruciating pain okay this pain <sighs> is excruciating oh <sighs> That's better. <laughs> okay. Um, so after a, a, a minor little, little um, you know, altercation, um, we have to kind of like break protocol, bro- break confidentiality, and kind of say this is how thing- they got things, which I don't know if I have a problem with this or not. Like not the, not the dispensing of like what happened like with Discovery in Season 2, but this takes place three months after the event so like I don't care how smart someone is but like seriously like how can you extrapolate from a telescope warp stuff and and fabricate it build it and put it to use in three months in a handful of days like that just seems you can't like one heck of a stretch guys yeah. Like I mean, you could like just yeah. It's not like they the like salvaging pieces from this, or they're just like yeah. looking through a telescope and detecting stuff. Like that seems like that's like a scientist who works his entire career, like professional career, like thirty years on doing something like that. Yeah. What was what was the race uh, chase? This they're even mentioned in the Rios book that. Uh, the race it learned really quickly that the mob race oh that they imitated yeah. yeah um it's fine i i i sure as heck won't remember what they were but but uh yeah maybe they just learn really quick chase you know come on star trek yeah they're, they're a quick study but yeah it, it was that that kind of bothered me too a little bit I actually didn't know that the time was that close, so yeah. <laughs> now, it, now it irritates me more. <laughs> yeah, three months. Like, okay, I'll give it to you if it's a year. I'll give it to you. Why not? But three months? Man, like, like I'm barely doing stuff in three months, man. Well, we know how long a year can be, so. Yes. No, but I... I, I that that idea aside i do like the idea of you know we don't always think about the consequences of things and like Mm -hmm. we do something Mm -hmm. and like there's other people out there and like what we do can affect them and we need to like be more cognizant of that and pike is like really regretting that here he's like god we're responsible for this yeah, if we leave now, every death that follows is on our hands. I like that line. And he's like, you know, I have to do what I feel is ethically and morally right. General Order 1 be damned, which is a pretty pretty standard Star Trek story. Like, there have been plenty of, you know, episodes that have explored that idea of, you know, pushing aside the prime directive to, to do what the captain thinks is the correct thing to do. Right, right. So, and then at one point, he like, they're like, everyone beams up except him and Pike and Spock. 
and they catch him in the elevator, and he's like, take me to, take your, me to leader. your leader. Take <laughs> 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 Having some of that humor is, is really refreshing to me. It really is, man. It really is, yeah. Um, so, of course, we have, like, I think a pretty standard thing of, like, the captain trying to explain, like, the moral implications of why they're doing what they're doing, and this time it falling on deaf ears. Like, yeah, truly falling yeah, on deaf ears. Yeah, I think ears. We, we didn't even really explain this well enough, but, like, this planet is in, like, a... There's, like, different factions that are, like, locked in some kind of struggle for control of the planet, right? And they're they're been in, like, it says, like, a centuries-long co- conflict or struggle, which seems like a long time to be, you know, constantly fighting and no side has gained the upper hand here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, mm-hmm. basically, um, this, is, this is a great line. It's like, uh... You know, Pike says something to the effect of, like, when elephants fight, it's the grass that gets hurt. Like, the tribes in Nigeria or something tell us that all the time. And and, sh- and the leader of the planet's like, you've just given me a parable. But the weapon I have is a big stick. <laughs> and I found that it's the big stick that usually does the talking. And, of course, Pike and his swagger's like, as he's being escorted out, emergency channel open. Show him what we got, boys. And of course, I got that- the biggest stick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Checkmate, baby. Checkmate. You know, um, you know but th- this whole this whole storyline. I don't know if any of you thought of this. Reminds me of the the SG one, like Jonas Quinn's home planet. Mm-hmm. That's where exactly there's like I was there's like, that. yeah okay there's like the three different factions, but. One of them is building like a NACWA, like a super NACWA bomb, and like they're gonna use it, you know, to to take over the planet or something. But then Jack O'Neill is like, that bomb is not a defensive weapon. That's a first strike weapon, and I guarantee you, you think you tell these other people you got this super big bomb, it's not gonna have the effect you want unless you use it one time. And I kept thinking about that the entire. The entire time I'm watching this episode is like, ooh, they've created this warp bomb, but that's not going to make the dissidents or the other side capitulate until you use it. Yeah. 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 There, the, um, there were two speeches in particular that I was really moved by in this, in this episode. And one of them is his address to this planet. And um, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I got choked up both times I was listening to him address this as he was talking about where we are today in our own world. And I don't want to seem like a hypocrite. Like I realized this was like not subtle at all. And like we've t- we've kind of complained about like how like preachy like other shows can be. But like to me, this just landed really well in my opinion um, how he was addressing their planet's issues by looking to our issues in the 21st century um, I, I really liked it I thought it was like done with done really well I don't know what you guys thought no I thought it was done really well it, it, it is not 
it's very heavy-handed, but like, it so is. what? There yeah. have been a lot of internet trolls over the past few days. Been like, get your politics out of my Star Trek. This is just another woke Hollywood BS. Because you know, it it showed some scenes from, you know, our, you know, the audit the vote or whatever, and people were like, oh, like you're storming the Capitol and you're blaming everything on Trump, whatever, like. I don't think that was the point here. Like, and listen, Star Trek has always been political, and it's always been progressive and left-leaning. So, yeah, I think you have to deal with that. Well, well, the other thing too, though, and I think it was in the first conversation with the uh, the the one faction leader where he, you know, it's like debate. You know, th- this is kind of where we where we uh you know can increase our understanding or or get to a better a better place and like i think societally what we have a really big problem with right now is listening to each other um and i and i think that that to me felt like more of the point here is that you know learn learn from our mistakes because we made them all don't make the mistakes that we did but i mean the thing is in in star trek th- there was always a world war three there was always you know this this mass sort of genocide that happened in there we are however and unfortunately at a point right now where it's it's not great you know it's, it's really not great across the board and it doesn't have anything necessarily that you can point to one political idealism or another because nobody's listening to each other that's right. So the reason why I like this speech is he brought forward examples to help these two warring sides hopefully understand at least create the dialogue, the debate, the you know just that mutual back and forth between the two to stop effectively annihilation. You know, because there's there's nothing worse than just annihilating people for the sake of holding a bigger stick. Um so I, I, I think that that was, that was particularly good. The, the other thing I just wanted to kind of mention here just real quick. So before he transports down to the planet, he has this kind of back and forth with our, with our Singh character. And one of the things that I, I had a huge problem with with Discovery is that you're telling me to care about these crewmen, but I don't know anything about them. The only thing I learn is that, like, this one guy parasailed or this person did something that I can't remember anymore because it wasn't pointed and I, you didn't develop it. Like, there's that one episode where it's like, can we just let Detmer take this episode over? Well, in this one, and, and I know you were going to talk a little bit about the possible sort of thing with the Gorn, but facts, fact, fiction, whatever aside... She explained her backstory in a way that made me actually care about the character and want to see more of the character. And also that character helped give Pike more perspective. He got perspective from Spock. Now he's getting perspective from this person that he doesn't know. And we have a follow-up conversation with her towards the end of the episode. So we're, we're coming back around and we're learning about these characters in a very central way to the episode that ties everything in, and it's not a one-off random comment that helps you solve a problem. So That's right. I appreciated that a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I guess my, my, no, my comment here is, like, 
did we mess with the timeline again? Like, like, did we mess with the timeline again? Did Picard mess with the timeline again with Adam Sung pulling out his file, Project Sung, and that taking place whenever it did? Because, like, Pike mentions here the second United States Civil War, right? Which is something we've never heard about in Star Trek before, right? He says, first, he says, first we had the second Civil War, then we had the Eugenics Wars, and finally World War Three. Like, that's the order he says it happens in. But, like, we're looking at, he says, we're looking at the early 21st century, and we're talking about these political things that are happening now. And he's talking, and I, I get the impression that he's meant, he's saying that those are the things that led to the second American Civil War, which then led to the Eugenics Wars. But, like, we know from Picard, they're in 2024, and it doesn't look like there's a, a civil war going on in the country. And we know in 2026 is when World War Three starts. So, like, are we messing with the timeline? Do the writers just not understand the timeline the way we fans do? Yes. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like, I'm... I, but I think that's, like, it's well established when the eugenics wars happen. They're in the 1990s, the late 1990s. That is well established. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, like, mentioned straight up in, in original series, and, of course, there's, like, books and other spinoff media that have, have cited it multiple times, right? I mean, Memory Alpha, for crying out loud, like, our, you know, authoritative Star Trek, you know, source, for crying out loud, even lists it as a 27-year-long war. I mean, even World War Three is, like, cited in, um, in First Contact, like, almost as, like, a passing comment. So, yeah, I mean, unless, I mean, unless, you know, Pike is just not a student of history and he just gets his dates mixed up, which I've done that before in an exam and I've lived to tell about it, so. But anyway, this, this was really good. Um, like, I think some of the parts, like, I'm looking at, like, part of the script right now and, like, some of this, the parts, like, really got to me was, like, our conflict also started with a fight for freedoms. We called it the Second Civil War, then Eugenics War, then finally World War Three. This was our last day. The day the Earth we knew ceased to exist. And um, then going on to say, what began as an eruption in one nation ended in the eradication of 600,000 species of animals and plants and 30% of Earth's population. Then you kind of, like, go, go down a little bit more with what he's saying. Um... Maybe that's why I'm here, to remind you of the power of possibility. Maybe that's the good in, in seeing my future, that I might remind you that right up until the very end, life is to be worn gloriously. Because till our last moment, the future is what we make it. So go to war with each other. Or join the Federation of Planets and reach for the stars. The choice is yours. I, I just love that. Well, this, this planet is nowhere near being ready to join the Federation. No. <laughs> no. Not at all. But if they learn that quickly, then... Which we see like a little montage of, yeah, you know, like a little research like school, montage. Like schooling and school and stuff. Yeah. Hey, look, I learned how to do paper mache, uh, you know, enterprises. Good for you, little scientist. Good, good job. <laughs> well done. Pat on the head. <laughs> All right. So, of course, we get like, I mean, like at the, after this, like we just get a quick little debrief with um, Admiral April, who basically, 
is a loophole, which is cool. Um, Cause you can't, you can't state that something happened because you said it didn't happen because it did never existed type of thing. So, but then we have this like really good moment. I think we have this really good moment with, with a uh, Noonien Singh and Captain Pike. Um, and she's like, like coming in, like almost like, afraid of like how he's going to respond and he's just like so chill i love this like i just love this guy's like he's like he has his pad or whatever it's called at this point he sets it down on the railing he's like tell me now tell me what you should tell me tell me now and it's just this lovely conversation it's not like bad at all like it's just a lovely conversation but at one point he's like so you hope to gain my trust by By not not trusting trusting me me. Yeah. yeah And then he, yeah, then later he says, you know, we're stronger when we're together, which has always been, like, the idea of Star Trek and the idea behind the, the, the Federation. Mm-hmm. Also, just point this out, Pike is more of a teacher. And I think probably one of the, the problems that maybe some people have with Michael Burnham is she's not really a teacher. She's still in a, in a doer stage. Whereas, like, you know, most of the captains that we've seen along the way are, you know, they're 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 more they're more teaching in in their methodology and, and helping sure. people along in their in their you know development here within Starfleet because he, he even like shows her uh, you know the uh, the the capsules on this. Uh, Starbase. They sent seed pods yeah. out. Uh, the seed pods, yeah. And I, I don't know his his connections that that he's making here are just I don't know that they're they're really refreshing to see somebody who can do a little bit more in the teaching line. Yeah. Um, th- like the this this was like the the second speech I was, I was uh, re- referring to earlier that I really liked. You know, um, you know how those domes got up here. Well, during World War III, a group of scientists sent seed pods into space to preserve them. But then the war was over, and Earth had to re- had rebuilt. The forests were too large to bring home, so Starfleet built its first base around them. And this is the part that I really, really like, the line that he says. Even in space, growth, sometimes, remarkable growth, is possible. I'd like to offer you a commission to join the Enterprise. I mean, that, that's just so good. That's so good. So good. And um, of course, like we end like with like the little little monologue of space, the f- final frontier type of thing. You're not captain's you're not log. That. Captain's log. Sorry. There's a captain's log there too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But will we see it at the start of next week? Hey, we got a captain's <laughs> log. Period. So <laughs> that's that's got to count for something. That's got to count for something. Um, any any other final things before we we evaluate this episode? I know we've been talking about this a lot. Talking about this episode a long time. I mean, no, I mean, there was a lot to talk about. It's a premiere, and it's exciting, and we we, we needed to talk about all these things. Yeah. Oh, the, there was one other character that showed up. Nice mustachioed man. At the end of this? Good old yeah. Sam Kirk. Yeah, Sam Kirk. Well, we know what Sam Kirk's fate is, too. I mean, he gets there might be a machine involved. A, eaten by a parasite. Yeah, Sam Kirk dies in Operation yeah. Annihilate. Yeah. That's a father me. 
<laughs> yeah, to me that was unnecessary though. I was like, why do we gotta like? Yeah, we've already name dropped a few characters in here. We got Nurse Chapel, we got Cadet Uhura, we got Noonien Sung. Do we have to name drop like another character from the past? Like, can't we just do new characters? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alright, gang. Well let's let's rate this. Let's rate the premiere. So everyone, welcome as we talk about the Delta. Um so the Delta is where we look at the different divisions of Starfleet um service in terms of how well it was represented in this show. So looking at of course science, which has to do with science, um operations, um and engineering. Um, how well techno babble and logistical stuff is is being demonstrated um, and whatever else uh, might have to do with that and of course command with leadership and leadership theory leadership style stuff like that so uh, let's start with uh, let's start with David on um, on your delta rating for this man I mean I, I think command is fairly fairly obvious I don't I don't know how much we can really d- debate along with that. And we we've talked yeah. about that pretty pretty prevalently throughout this this entire episode, so I won't, I won't hack through that again. Um, I mean, science. I, I think that the whole uh, manipulation to change you into another species is you know pretty cool sciencey stuff. Um, and then I, I would also say, I mean, engineering that that's always been kind of a, a tough one, at least for a while now. But our uh, like uh, transporter chief guy that I don't remember his name. I, I didn't like look he that. Was Fifteen. He looked yeah. like Fifteen. <laughs> he was yeah. young. I didn't look that guy's name up. Sorry, Eric. Um, Kyle. <laughs> oh, fine, fine. Chase, just have the name in the chamber. It's fine. You're welcome. But you know, sort of uh, figuring out a way to to transport that, you know, serum or liquid into Spock so that he can get past their little security checkpoint. Um, was cool. I mean, we're not necessarily, I guess, at the point here because the conflict of this this show was more uh, more diplomatic than anything else. So I wouldn't necessarily say there's a ton of uh, like techno babble and stuff like that, like you might have saw in other. But I, I think that those would qualify them for a delta in my book. Okay. Uh, in all three. Okay. So they get so this episode gets all three from you. Trace. Yes. Okay. Eric, your turn. Yeah, it's refreshing to have good, strong command, like, in the center of our show. Listen, like, Michael Burnham has a pearl of wisdom every now and then, and then, right? She makes, a, like, a good decision every now and then. I, I mean, like, I'll say, like, stormy weather. Like, I know, I think she showed great thing there. But it's so refreshing to have, like, a full, fully-fledged, fully formed captain in that center chair that like you know mm-hmm. n- you know even though he doubted himself like he he never he came through right he was always making the decisions he he was sure of himself in every moment and you know he did what he felt was right and that's just so refreshing like so yeah command absolutely um science i'm i'm right there with david you know gene therapy messing with ourselves even like figuring out and like 
that they didn't build a warp drive, but they built a warp bomb instead. Like that's mm-hmm. that's science. Like you have to, you know, you do your investigating. And yeah, yeah, engineering operations is the one that I think has been fallen by the way. So I, I understand what David's saying with like figuring out how to work the transporter, which I wasn't even thinking of. I was thinking maybe operations is the one that isn't quite here on this level. But yeah, yeah, there's there's at least something there, other yeah. uh, where we've like not seen anything in these other shows. So very very good start, very refreshing. And I think you can you can make a case for all three of them. Right. Well, and, and look, I'm not going to add the other things because I think it's pretty obvious. Like with this episode in general, like things are showing up pretty well. But even apart from engineering and like being able to um, do cool things with transporting a serum into someone's eyeball so they can pass an, um, an optical test, like a, security, a security test. I mean, let's also look at the fact that I mean, Uhura, she's wearing an operations division uniform, for crying out loud. And Pike is like, hey, I need this at this point. Help a brother out. So, I mean, it's it's maybe it's simple in the grand scheme of things, but he's like, I need you to pump a signal down to the planet for me because I'm about to do a TED Talk and it's going to rock their world type of thing. And... Um, so like there, I mean, there's that that I, I would just like to add for consideration too. But yes, it is so incredibly refreshing to be able to see all the divisions shining and on display for like the first time in a long time that we've been doing this with these shows. So cool. So with that, let's go on to um, our numerical rating. So this is your first time listening. Uh, we'll rate this. We're rating this episode on a scale of one to ten. One being a dumpster fire, ten being absolutely amazing. So going in reverse order, let's go with Lieutenant Commander Eric on this one. Okay, so I want to preface this and say, I think a lot of people, and I've read a lot of reviews out there, people are overreacting to this episode, and there are a lot of people saying, "Oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever!" Like. Like, 10, perfect, it's amazing. Like, I... This is a good episode of television. Like, but it is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I just think with what we've seen with Discovery, and I think obviously people were let down by this season of Picard. Like, Mm -hmm. in comparison to those things, this is far superior. Like, far superior to what we've seen there. But that doesn't mean it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, so I want to be cautious in my ratings here. I'm, you know, I'm looking back to thinking, like, what did I give some of these other recent episodes? Like, setting aside uh, a muck time or time a muck from from Prodigy, which I think is the best thing that we've seen in recent in recent memory. Um, I think like the stargazer and then species 10c would probably be the two episodes that i think are probably the the best ones out there and i'm like where does this fit there like i don't think this is as good as the episode the stargazer i i don't i think it's probably right on par with species 10c as like a as like where it is as a good episode but there's a lot of things to like here and this is probably the best premiere episode 
of a Star Trek series we've seen probably going back to Voyager, I would say. Or I think this is probably a better premiere than Broken Bow. I think this is definitely a better premiere than the Vulcan Hello. Um, you know, Second Contact, which was a disaster in my opinion. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> although like the Picard, the premiere of Star Trek Picard, like the first episode, Remembrance, was really was really solid. But like, there's a lot to like here. I, I think it 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 sets up the show and the premise very well. I think it does a great job of introducing your story and your setup even if you have no background right and i said that earlier so i'm i'm thrilled to be watching this i'm excited to see where it goes hopefully it can continue to keep that excitement i think i'm gonna give it an 8.6 all right 8.6 from eric how about you david yeah i i I think to echo just something there, I, I don't want to necessarily like overreact because like, no offense, but like we've had some pretty mediocre to not great track. And th- this was, you know, that, that sort of breath of fresh air that I really thought that Picard was going to be when we watched the, the first episode of Picard. And that kind of let, I felt a little let down by that, just if I'm being honest. And discovery is discovery. I, sorry, it's just that's a tough one. Um, so yeah, I, I I think I think that the the fun thing about this, show, at least for the first episode, was they had a message and they put it out there in a way that I thought was really good. They dis, they put Pike on display and it didn't disappoint. I now kind of at least care about you know, one supporting character here that I didn't know before. I had fun with, you know, Spock into praying for a little while. I really, I really enjoyed that, you know, back and forth. And just, you know, even our, our sort of problem of the week was, was engaging. Like I felt engaged through the entire show. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not a perfect show. I, I think giving it a 10 is, is a, is a severe overreaction. And it, it is it is one of those things where I, I kind of look back at like I look back at you know past like stuff like you know Voyager DS9 uh, TNG original series and I kind of start thinking about how I would rate those which is such a big thing to think about just on the spot and where this kind of fits in and in that sort of um, that kind of lens of things. But it was such a solid opener that it makes me want to watch this, and it will be such a, it will be such a, a spirit crushing letdown if it doesn't live up to this episode, which I don't, I don't think we'll have a problem with uh, going forward. So, I'm probably going to go slightly higher than Eric because I, I just I had a really good time with with this, and I'm. I'm just looking forward so much, but I do want to temper a little bit of expectation. I'm, I'm probably going to drop it at like an 8.8. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so, I on on Thursday when this when this came out, and um, I think I mentioned this during the I might have mentioned this during the the Picard the Picard finale review that we did. But, you know, I got up in the morning and I watched um, the Picard finale before, you know, getting getting ready for the day and getting the kids ready and, and leaving and stuff. 
when I came back um, from dropping them off and before my, my first appointment with my client, I um, um, I watched Strange New Worlds. And I got, man, when I watched it, it was like so stinking refreshing. And um, I, I remember getting on like some chats, like with some, some Trekkie friends of mine. And I was like, I felt like I was like the odd man out because I was like, man, Picard was just kind of like meh. But like Strange New Worlds, I'm like, that's where it's at, man. Like that was like so good. And in ways I still feel like that. I, I still feel like we're off to a really great start with Strange New Worlds. And I I can't quite put my finger on it, guys, but like even though it wasn't subtle, there was just something the way in the way that the social commentary was delivered that I didn't feel like I was being bonked on the head like I have in the past. And I think that's a good thing. Um, I, I'm really digging Pike. Like, I mean, I was digging him back in, in season two of, of Discovery, but I'm just glad that we, that he's got his own show, man. Like, I'm just, I'm just so happy about that. Um, I mean, I like the fact that it's, it's one episode self-contained. I don't have to worry about or speculate about what's going to happen this season. I can just enjoy the episode for the episode, and that's it. And if I don't like it, I don't have to worry about it contaminating the rest of the season or whatever. I mean, that is very refreshing, guys. For me, that's very, very refreshing. Um, I really liked it. It's not a 10. That's for dang sure. Um, but I am I mean, I want to give it a really good score. I do. But um, don't, don't overreact because you were let down by the other show. Stop it, Eric. Stop. Um. <laughs> Don't be emotional. <laughs> so, I think, like, I mean, I'm definitely in the same ballpark that y'all are. And um, I think I'm going to have to go with David on this. Uh, I think I'm going to go with an 8-8 eight, eight on this as well. Uh, this this was really good. It was just really refreshing. But I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, right? That's not like a recency bias, you know, type of thing. <laughs> of sorts um, with what we've been getting um, like with the highs and lows that we've been experiencing with Picard and like the highs and lows we've been experiencing with the other shows um, over the last few months so yeah 8-8 for me as well which for a season premiere I mean that's pretty good series premiere for a series premiere that's pretty good like that, our average rating uh, for, for the series premiere of Strange New Worlds is an 8.73 so um, there we go which I don't even know what that looks like in terms of like IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes. I haven't even looked. Yeah, I, IMDb has an 8.4. Okay. So we're, I mean, we're a little higher than them, but not by much. But really. there, you, there's a lot of ones on IMDb's rating, too. <laughs> a lot of review like, bombing. Get this, this, get this woke liberal BS out of here. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. All right. Whatever. Well, before we we get out of here let's talk about something important let's talk about the twitter poll so eric david i polled the people of twitter and i asked them this extremely important question regarding star trek strange new worlds you ready for this the question was inquiry here we go inquiry who would win in a game of checkers 
Erica Ortegas, or Laan Nunyan Singh. So Ortegas was the one that was like, always when I'm in the captain's seat. And then, of course, Laan was the tactical stand-in number one. So yeah, who would win in a game of checkers? Ortegas or Nunyan Singh? Well, if Nunyan Singh is related to an augment, wouldn't they have superior like analytical skills? But I does mean, che- we're playing checkers, not chess, right? That's right. <laughs> does checkers really need superior analytical skills? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> tell me, Eric. <laughs> I mean, sure. Let's go with let's go with Sung. Why not? Okay. This might be the the streak breaker. I might not I might not get to ten in a row. Man, what, what what's your current one right now? Is it eight or is it nine? I'm at nine. Oh man. Okay. All right. Got got on the line right now, David. What's your vote, man? I mean, I know nothing about Ortega's yet. I I know nothing about aside from like you know the one time she sits in the the chair and has things go wrong, or when she says <laughs> "Welcome to the Enterprise." So like maybe when we get her episode, I can answer that better. So I I kind of have to go with Sing in this case because it's the one I know. Okay, very good. All right. So um, the results are in, and um, with 40, so, so in last place, the one that lost, 41.7% of the vote went to La'an Nunyan Singh, which means our winner was Erica Ortegas. Go figure. Go figure. Yeah. With 58.3% of the vote. Go figure on that one, man. So, yeah, your streak has ended, Eric. Did not get to double digits. Dang, bro. No incident since. <laughs> but anyway, well, we'll be back next time for uh, for more Strange New Worlds. I mean, this is all we got um, for a little while. We don't even know um, what the next show is. I mean, it's probably going to be Lower Decks. We haven't heard, like, a release date on when that's supposed to come out yet that I'm aware of. Um, so, yeah, there we go. So, yeah, we'll be back next time to talk more strange new worlds as we go into um, the second episode. There's 10 episodes this season. So um, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. But what'd y'all think? Did y'all love it? Did y'all give it a perfect 10? Were y'all blown away? I mean, are y'all kind of like checking your expectations at the door and just kind of proceeding cautiously like we might be? Let us know. Uh, Check us out, trtvpod.com. If you want to get in contact with us, leave us um, a note. Something like that. You can open up handling frequencies and entering in coordinates to trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. But keep in mind that we might just keep it on the coffee table and check it, maybe. Um, just kidding. We'll check it. Uh, but if you do want to mail us something, you can always do that. You know, like, I don't know, something cool like a vial of blue goo to turn us into weird aliens. Uh, Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in, and as always, remember to boldly go and make it so. Good.